My name is Kenny Jacoby. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of our uh, podcast that I don't think still officially has a name. Are we going to have a name? You know, I don't know. Still still to be determined. I mean, we're going to do basketball season when that starts too. So maybe we'll have a name for that one. Just keep tuning in every week. (laughs) We might have a name by that point. But we're going to talk about Oregon football. uh, That's what we do every week. We review games. We preview upcoming games this week. Week six, baby. Yeah, week six. Halfway through the season. Uh, It goes by pretty quickly. But... They're going to Stanford this weekend, but before we get to that and, and all there is to talk about that, we're going to review what happened. Wait, who's here, Jack? What? Who's here? Oh, yeah. As always, I forgot <laughs> because we're always here every week. The same three Introductions. Yeah. Sean Meadow. Hello. And me, Gus, Gus Morris. Morris. I've been here. Yes. We, we have, we've all been here. Um, Wait, but we don't live here, so like we're here like on a weekly it's basis. It's debatable. It's, it's debatable. debatable. Good um, Life of students. But let's get to the Washington State game. It was a 33-10 loss for the Ducks. Braxton Burmeister, freshman, was making his first start of his career. Justin Herbert obviously out, and we later learned that Taylor Alley was unavailable to play after he got hurt as well. No Charles Nelson or Dylan Mitchell either. No Charles Nelson, Dylan Mitchell, uh, a lot of injuries. Freeman, off- Freeman did play, though. A lot of injuries offensively that they had to overcome. It, it kind of looked good early. I think a lot of people were really impressed with how Oregon's defense played in the first half and actually how they played through the entire game. It's just really hard when the offense does relatively nothing. There was one big play, I think, like a roughly a 30-yard touchdown pass to a wide-open Jacob Breland, yeah. who was also back after being injured. But yeah. other than that, you know, my takeaway is, is how difficult it, it's going to be for this offense if Burmeister is at quarterback, we still haven't really seen Taylor Alley, but I'd assume, you know, I think just seeing him throughout the years, it'll kind of be similar to what it was with Burmeister, but it's going to be hard for them to have a downfield passing threat, especially if Dylan Mitchell and Charles Nelson continue to be out and or not 100%. And so defenses are just going to be able to to load the box. They're going to bring down safeties. They're going to go one-on-one on the outside. They're going to say, Burmeister or Taylor Alley, like, try and beat us. We're going to stop the run. You can't beat us with your arm. And that was a bad combination against uh, Washington State. And, I mean, Washington State is a really good uh, passing defense. They have uh, top 10 passing defense in the country, and I'm guessing that's even higher now um, after that Oregon game. But, yeah, I mean, it, they, they did they did exactly what you said, Jack. They just loaded the box. They, you know, they brought extra rushers. It was um, – and, I mean, what was it? Taggart was even saying that – that Oregon did not run the ball very well, and and I mean looking at the stats, it's that that's pretty apparent. But it was uh, Taggart, you know, was kind of saying it was more so on the execution of the offense. Um, and it's so funny. To execution see was the word though. The press conference afterwards, everyone was saying, yeah, execu- it was execu- execution, execution, execution. But so, but there were some people saying that we got to go back to the drawing board. But if you're talking about execution, the drawing board was right. It was what you did on the field. So I'm a little confused about that because. That's something I'm thinking about a lot after that game, after that press conference specifically. When you say that you're failing to execute, but you need to go back to the drawing board, wouldn't that mean that the drawing board was right, but we didn't do what the drawing board intended for us to do? 
you're blowing my mind right now, man. Yeah, I so I, it was something I was going through the audio the I other mean, day, I'm and it was something about... I was thinking about, but I don't know. I mean, I thought, no, I don't I, know. I know what you mean, and... Sorry, you just said execute, and that has been in yeah, my you ear, just, you, stuck in my head for the last week. You guys should have seen week. the look in Sean's eye right, right there. It was like, it was, I, no, it was, I was scared. I know, I know what you're talking about, Could write a thousand words on the word execute. Because... Offensive line coach Mario Cristobal was pretty much saying the same things. Like there were little things that they needed to improve execution, but also that they do need to kind of readjust for how they attack a defense because everybody's going to be loading the box. So it's, so it's both. So so it's both yeah. because because when you when you're Just something that can't when you're not you know when you're preparing for defenses doing completely different things to you than they have for basically half the season, you're going to get thrown off and that hurts execution. So, well, do, you, do, so you, do you prepare differently if you think you're yeah, going to bring you, Taylor you, Alley versus Burmeister? You because, literally have to. Well, I mean, Taggart said that well, with Alley didn't guys, play because of an injury. With right? those two guys, they're both so similar in the fact that they don't have, that, that they're not a big downfield threat, that teams are just going to do the exact same thing that Washington State did, which is load the box. And I mean, granted, that was the first game that Oregon has seen a defense do that so much. I mean, like, Cal did it a bit. Uh... I mean, yeah, Cal's just bad. Cal's just not very good. So, I mean, like that, they did kind of see it there. But, I mean, the Washington State was the first time they've actually played a, a, against a solid defense that actually, you know, used that strategy. And obviously it didn't work out super well for Oregon. And I think, and, and I mean, looking ahead to Stanford, I think that, that that's exactly what, what Stanford's going to do as well. Stanford's a good team. I think Oregon's going to have trouble. But with that Washington State game, for me, like, when you're not getting those numbers, okay, yeah, it's Burmeister, but there's a lot of players on that offense, and I didn't think that Burmeister played particularly badly. I thought I thought it was just the offense was was stunned against a good defense. I think that was the best team Oregon's played this season, and I think Oregon has been brought down a little bit to earth, back to earth. The hype was really high, I thought, before the season started, and even before the game, a lot of people thinking that Oregon could win. I think the line didn't help, but... The the fact that the Ducks go out there and get somewhat run off the field. The fans were leaving early. People were not into the game. I don't know. It just yeah. had a different it's feel Im- to what we're used to with Oregon football. It's well, important to keep in mind that Washington State is a very good football team. Uh, they're, <laughs> oh, cur- they're currently number eight. And look, this team, even with Burmeister, was able to hang around for a while. Uh, the first just half sticking, was ex- exceptional. Yeah, sticking to the offense a little bit. I mean, you said Burmeister wasn't bad. And... Uh, I mean, I, I bad is not the right word, but he just he just doesn't look prepared. He looked like a freshman. He looked like a freshman. He looked like a freshman going up one of the best passing defenses in the entire country. Like that's and, that's what he looked like. And there's a reason why he was basically third string yeah. out of all the QBs this year. And you know, if even Travis Johnson or Terry Wilson had not transferred, it would be one of them far before it would be Braxton Burmeister. Mm-hmm. Like, Without a doubt. This is, the, you know, he's just not, in, in looking at one game, even looking back to how he played in the spring game, and obviously not going to discredit him for the spring game. You're there for like a couple weeks and then you have to go play. But but regardless. So is it on him for the 2 of 17 from third down, 0 for 3 on fourth? Well, no, it's on everybody, but it's it's on him in the sense that like they can't pass it with the same efficiency as they did with Justin Herbert. Obviously, they're, not, they're never going to pass with the same efficiency. Right. So teams are going to load the box, and that affects the offensive line and how exactly. they. It's just kind of a domino effect. So it's not like I'm not going to come out and say he played poorly because he didn't, and he showed flashes. I think that they should 
I know they're low on QBs. They might they can't afford to run him, but he looked like he had re- really good yeah, that running one, ability. Yeah. He he escaped from the pocket really well. Maybe he can maybe they can get him on the move, just get him out there a little early just to get some rhythm, but you know, he he had a hard time connecting downfield. He either overthrew guys or he threw interceptions. I know he had one that was right to the safety and the safety just dropped it. Yeah, um, he only had two picks, but it should have been like three or four. Yeah, so you know, is that something he can come out and improve and might come out and improve? I mean, at the end of the day, this was his first game, but it, it's it's sort of a domino effect. It's not his fault, but he's doesn't look ready. So you can just basically say, okay, we're just going to blitz you, have fun. Yeah. Um, but I do actually want to talk a little bit about Oregon's defense because, like we said, it was close for a while. Actually, Oregon actually had the lead uh, for in the – First quarter, end of the first quarter, second, yeah, some, quarter. somewhere somewhere around there, and they held it for a while. Uh, Oregon's defense, I think, halfway. Before through, you go on, Jack, I I I just want to say too how funny it is that that it's Oregon's defense is the strong suit of, right. of the Stucks teams <laughs> now, and 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 the offense is what. That's what injuries do to you. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, truly, continue, continue. no, but I think this is a good segue into what we kind of want to talk about. But halfway through the season, just evaluating where this team's at. We can officially say that this Oregon defense is much better than the season. Oh, ago. without a doubt, absolutely. And absolutely. the the stats prove it. The eye test proves it. I think you can ask uh, any coach who is scouting this team or has played against this team. They're much better, and I'm pleasantly surprised with guys like Jalen Jelks. I mean, Henry Mondu. He was kind of expected to step up last year. He didn't really do that. But that the defensive line has been great. It was a question coming in, but they seem to show depth. They seem to be able to they rush the passer really well. They have a good run defense, although we'll get to that in a sec because they yeah. haven't faced anybody who's a good rushing yeah. team. But still, I, I, I'm personally really impressed with this defense just based on improvement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, whatever whatever Jim Levitt is doing and whatever his secret recipe is. Pepsi. It's, it's yeah. definitely it was, Pepsi. Yeah, just, just pumping them full of Pepsi or whatever it is. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're at 90 or, what, 94 rushing yards a game in terms of defense, 244 passing yards a game in defense. I, I don't know. I don't have the exact, like, where those stats rank up amongst, uh, amongst like, you know, teams all over the country. I know you have Pac-12 stats up. But um, they've been a really good defensive team, which is something that I don't think I expected – at, you know, six games through into the first year with a new defensive coordinator with a, um, you know, I mean, still a young, you know, young defense with some new players um, trying to implement, uh, you know, going back to a new scheme or a, back to the 3-4 instead of the 4-3. Uh, yeah, I mean, really impressed. Just, I mean, everything that you pretty much said, Jack, I mean, uh, they rushed the passer super well. I mean, they have experienced corners. Their young guys have stepped up. It's just been really surprising, and it's uh, – yeah, I mean, so far so good with the with the Jim Levitt defensive transformation of this team. And just how about the linebackers? They're just fun to watch. Troy Dice strip the fumble. He's yeah, lying on his impressive. back, reaches really up. Impressive. That's that's the most impressive thing I think I may have seen at Austin Stadium in my time covering the team. Wow, that's all right. Saying a lot. It, it is. That's I I don't think I've seen that before. That that was something special. But the the defense is definitely the strong suit right now while Herbert's out. But when Herbert gets right back, I think. People will see a, an Oregon team that they expected to see, but it'll probably be too little, too late to really accomplish much other than make a bowl game. But whether he's back for Utah or Washington, or if he's even if he's back later for Arizona, but I, I think it comes down to the wire in the end of the season for how this team 
can be judged at the end. It really does at the end of the season. But for a midway point, I don't think it's too bad for where they're at with the circumstances especially. But this defense definitely has to be the biggest improvement we've seen from Oregon this season, without a doubt. Well, and the offense, too, I mean, in just, you know, you know if, if we're touching on defense, you know, just touching on offense, too, uh, when they're healthy, they're they're absolutely unreal. I mean, you know, when when Herbert's throwing for you know two hundred some yards, three hundred some yards a game, couple touchdowns, Royce Freeman's running for you know hundred plus yards. You have Kenai Benoit, T- Tony Brooks, James also kind of you know leading that rushing charge. They're they're legit one of the top ten, maybe not if not top five best offensive teams in the country. But it's just that matter of staying healthy. Uh, and I mean, Sean, kind of kind of like you said. Um, it's just whenever Herbert gets back, I think, you know, this team will kind of get back to full strength. And But, again, you know, we'll see if that's if it's too, too little too late, like you said. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of a kind of a strange kind of a strange six games so far in the season. Just a lot of injuries. Um, yeah, just not really what I kind of expected from the defense. Definitely what I expected from the offense. But um, just overall so far, the turnaround for Oregon has, has so far gone well, I think, minus the injuries. Absolutely. I, th- I think Oregon's turnaround, minus the injuries, has been has, has definitely been something to, to look forward to for fans because last season it was definitely frustrating when you'd watch, watch the secondary just get run down by teams. But you got to remember, Luke Falk has been one of the best quarterbacks in the nation this year. And Oregon did a pretty good job containing him for as long as they did. I think the second half, it, it really did go downhill. But the first half, they, they held him. They they kept them under twenty points. I, I was I was very surprised by that. I didn't give them enough credit for that. I said mm-hmm. I said it was going to be like thirty at halftime, and they would end up just walking up the field for the rest of the game, and it would be a forty five twenty one scoreline. So credit where credits due, but Oregon's defense did much better than I expected of them. It's an improved defense, but it's still not a good defense to go out there and win. It games. might not be good enough this weekend either. Well, and the other thing too, is like the strength of schedule has, has definitely been an issue. Uh, I mean, what was it? ESPN showed those cupcakes for, for Washington's pre or a, a, a non-conference schedule. And honestly, you could probably do the same thing for Oregon's. Um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of the stats, <laughs> a lot of the stats are definitely, you know, they look good on paper. The numbers are good, but then you kind of look at the opponents, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, why? I mean, Washington State's easily the best team they played so far. Um, you know, Cal's just not very good. Uh, Wyoming's just not very good. Uh, trying to think, Nebraska's just really not very good. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of like Washington State is is probably the best team they played. Then it probably goes like Nebraska, Arizona State, and um, I mean. Obviously, Washington State is legit, but, I mean, those other two teams, it's just kind of like, nah, you know, I don't really see either of those teams as being a powerhouse, you know, in the, in the, in the you know, college football. Yeah, and the, and the defense is good enough to hold teams below average. I yeah. think they held a, re- a really good Washington State offense uh, down for a long time. So, still looking at the schedule going forward, like, uh, Stanford is an offense that, Obviously, we we're gonna get into Bryce Love and all the numbers and all the rushing attack that he's doing, but it's not a, it, it hasn't been a particularly consistently, a consistent potent offense. Uh, neither has Utah coming up on their schedule, so there there are a couple games that, you know, Oregon can afford to have you know to be a little less, uh, less good offensively because their defense is much improved. So they might hold the Stanford team down for a while. They might hold a Utah team down for a while it's going to be tough against ucla just based on how good 
Josh Rosen can be. Um, and then from there, we don't know. You know, it's hard to speculate as you go further along when or when just when or when not Justin Herbert is going to be back. So, oh, but I love speculating. That's what I mean. It's part of what we do. Um, but if uh, specifically looking at this Stanford team and this Stanford offense, it's it's a it's kind of a, a middle of the road uh, Stanford offense. They're really imbalanced. Yeah, Bryce Love leading the country in rushing. He's got an absurd ten and a half yards per carry, uh, which is pretty nuts. He's got something along the lines of eight straight games scoring a fifty-yard t- or more touchdown run. I, I think I saw a stat that was like if Bryce Love was his own team, he'd be like twentieth in the country in terms of like total rushing yards or something. Yeah, like and that. they've they've in the past couple games they've been able to control the line of scrimmage uh, offensively. They've been able to. It'd be that kind of typical Stanford team that that you'd think of ever since Jim Harbaugh got there. So Bryce Love can explode at any point. You can hold him down for two plays, and then on the third play, he can take it all the way to the house. He's actually, you know, getting a lot of Heisman attention. I think ESPN they did a little poll of all their college football people, and he's second, uh, only behind Saquon Barkley. So he's getting a lot of national love, a lot of national. You're, you're the running back this year. If, if apparently uh, you're the running back and he's one that's actually kind of surprised and come up come up from there but he's by far and away the statistically and i think just in general the best running back in the pac-12 sorry oregon I fans saying i love for royce well royce is royce is fantastic I mean, but he does still lead the he does still lead the conference in rushing touchdowns he does he does but he is not averaging 10 and a half yards uh per, per yeah, pick it up royce per carry pick and he up. he he doesn't have quite the ability that Bryce Love has to just yeah. take it to the house at any point. So that's so that Stanford rushing offense. Now they're passing offense. Yeah, they're passing I know, offense. Jack, you have a thought or two about this. Well, I would really like to hear your thoughts <laughs> on uh, the Keller Chris uh, KJ Costello. So to, to inform some of uh, you who might not be as familiar with Stanford is Keller Chris started the year quarterback. He's okay. Uh, he... Got the job done a bit, but they lost to USC. They lost to San Diego State, which at the time was a big upset. Maybe looking at it now, San Diego State's 5-0. and But regardless, he goes out. They've got like 10 points against UCLA when he goes out with injuries. So KJ Costello goes in there, and they end the game with 58 points. They play Arizona State the next week. KJ Costello is still in there. They beat Arizona State. They put up 34 points against Arizona State. And then they go back to Crist, and now they have this awkward two-quarterback system that I don't – you never know when one's going to play. They seem relatively similar schemes. It's not like they seem to be doing that much differently. And then K.J. Costello is, in my eyes, way better for this offense. He's way more efficient, just overall way better. So I don't really know what they're doing toying around with playing Keller Chris, but I think it plays into Oregon's hands in that I, I, you're, neither of them have been able to really establish a lot of rhythm with both of them just basically switching off in that Utah game. And so I, I think that plays into Oregon's hands. I don't I don't know about you guys, but yeah. I, I'm not I'm never a huge fan of two quarterback systems. It's yeah. like pick one and, and stick with them, especially when in my eyes one is clearly better than the other. It's gotta confuse the wide receivers, the the <laughs> linemen on snap calls and counts. Is that, counts KJ and, or is that right now? <laughs> it's definitely gotta confuse them. I think if you're a running back when 
you you get the ball handed off. Sometimes a quarterback wants to take it back, and they may have like a quick little thing that a nudge or something saying, "I give it back," and that ball ends up on the ground. I think we saw that with uh, Royce Freeman, or was it maybe one of the other running backs in the 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 injury prone game for the Ducks against Cal with the fumble. But I think I think Oregon they'll have a little bit of fun trying to practice for both quarterbacks and I mean if you have Kristen there I think that benefits Oregon more but it's it's gonna be David Shaw's call and I don't know when we'll be able to figure out if well, Oregon's actually, able to well sorry so so I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that but but Shaw said this week that that uh, Chris was gonna start but Xello yes. would play so it is going to be kind of the Oregon is going to have which to is why how do you prepare for that because you've got yeah. to be you well I mean be Jarvis kind of saying they're not they're not that different I mean schematic wise you know I mean like yeah. they don't their style doesn't exactly change how 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 Stanford plays and I mean I I don't really see the offense you know relying too much on either Costello or Chris I mean they're going to give the ball to to Bryce Love thirty plus oh, times absolutely in this game. I mean so. So I mean I think it'll be kind of marginal, just you know whoever plays. A but do you do you know like okay if Chris is maybe the better of the throwers for deep balls, do you prepare going okay he's gonna probably hand this off to Bryce Love, but well, you got to yeah. make sure we have a safety back there in case. Yeah, I mean you look at tendencies and you study tendencies and you see what they do. You have specific packages for those specific quarterbacks, but it's all relatively the same. Yeah, because sure. neither, and, neither and, of these guys is Luke Falk. Like, right? Neither of these guys is going to all all I, and all Stanford really needs from a quarterback is just some level of efficiency. They yeah. might only pass it sixteen times. Yeah, but they need them to go. You know, twelve for sixteen. Yeah, eleven and, for sixteen. And in the efficiency sense, Costello is better. He's completed about yeah. sixty-three percent of his passes, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Chris you know, just four touchdowns and two interceptions. He, he's so. he's been better, and so all Oregon, you know, all Oregon needs to try and do is just is just win those third downs, uh, which Stanford is pretty pretty bad at converting on third downs. I think you have the. Yeah, the Stanford, that Stanford, is, Stanford is just a very interesting team. Um, I mean, just like looking through them, they're they're pretty average in terms of uh, offense. I mean, obviously they're they're legit in terms of of, of rushing offense. They're second in the Pac-12 right now with about 260 yards per game. Um, but everything else is a little kind of shaky. Um, they're currently sixth in scoring defense, sixth in scoring offense, uh, and sixth in total offense. Um, you know they're 11th in passing offense. They're ninth in rushing defense. I'm just kind of running through some it, stats. Yeah, here. it's all over the map. It's all over the place. Um, I mean they're also second in interceptions, fifth in sacks. Uh, yeah. But the, yeah, the third down that you kind of brought up, they're at the moment they're tenth uh, in opponent first down conversions. So opponents are are converting. Um, what is that? About 23 first downs per game. Uh, and on third down. Uh, they are eighth in terms of third down conversion on offense, so they're not a very good defensive team when it when it kind of comes down, uh, you know, to those very important third downs. They are actually eleventh in terms of uh, of opponent third down conversions uh, in the Pac-12, so they're just really not a very good third down team, and they're they're not even a very good third down offensive team. They're just all over the place. Yeah. I really don't really know it, what to what to make of. It can be hard to. It, it it is hard to pinpoint kind of where this where this team is at, and especially offensively, just when they're consistently switching QBs. And at least to the eye test, Costello seems significantly more efficient and better for this offense than Keller Christ. But 
kind of just tying in points that we made, it's like there's no secret as to what this Stanford offense is and does. There never has been, regardless of quarterback, how good that quarterback is. Even when they had Andrew Luck, they still ran it more than they passed it. So we talked about how impressive the Oregon defensive line has been so far, and they've been really impressive stopping the run especially i mean they're holding opponents to like 95 yards per game which is second in the pac-12 only behind washington but if you look at the teams that they've played they're not playing teams that like to run the ball like stanford does with multiple offense you know more than five offensive linemen tight ends there's they haven't faced a running back nearly as good as Bryce Love in any capacity. No. Um, Washington State almost never runs the ball. Neither does Cal, neither does Arizona State. Nebraska's probably the closest. Nebraska's they? probably the closest that they've seen. I mean, you know, Wyoming is was <laughs> clearly nowhere near, besides maybe Josh Allen, but at least talent around him was clearly nowhere near um, what Stanford is. So, yeah, the the Oregon defensive line has has looked good. I think they are good. I think they'll do a really good job of slowing down this Stanford offense. But when push comes to shove, we still don't know whether this Oregon offensive line or defensive line, which Stanford was able to bully last year, can actually slow down this or this Stanford rushing attack. Well, Jack, we'll find out on Saturday. Oh man. Uh, so I have a question for you, Jack. What is what does Oregon need to do? What does Oregon need to do to win this game? I'll send his question. Hey man. Oh man. Got to direct it. Uh, they got to take advantage of a weak Stanford front seven, mm-hmm. and it's going to be especially weak because Harrison Phillips, the starting nose tackle and by far the best defensive lineman on Stanford, is is out for the first half because he had a targeting penalty against Utah in the second half. They were, and then Peter Can- Peter Kalambayi. They're a fifth-year senior outside linebacker who um, is at least their most experienced linebacker and honestly their most experienced player in the front seven is also out because he had a targeting penalty, both of which happened on the final drive after that game was pretty pretty much over. But they both happened on the final drive against Utah, so their suspensions basically linger into the first half. So... This Stanford defense is not the traditional Stanford defense that can just basically, you know, stop any running attack. They have holes. They have struggled all year in stopping rushing attacks. It's what USC and San Diego State were able to do is just methodically go down the field with chunks, win the line of scrimmage. And that's something that Oregon can do. Braxton Burmeister or Taylor Alley or anybody at that quarterback position, again, they're going to load, Stanford's going to load the box and say, try and throw it. But you have to be able in the first half to just set a tone and take advantage of Stanford's two best and most experienced players being out. So they better they better if if they're not pushing them around early, then that's a huge issue. So right off the gate, they better be running down their throats. Yeah, and I mean you kind of mentioned some of their defensive stats. Just in terms of of the 130 teams in the FBS. Uh, Stanford is 101st in passing yards given up per game and 91st in rushing yards given up per game. So they're not good at either aspect of that, which is yes. just so not what you think of Stanford as being. It's not. It's kind of it's kind of a, a flip of what they've traditionally been. They've been really good at stopping yards. They'll get three and outs, but they actually don't force a lot of turnovers. It's kind of a flip this year. Justin Reed, I think, is tied for first. It's five the safety, yeah. you know, five interceptions. 
Uh, he's had, I think, one at least the past like four games. Uh, he's really good. They have a they have a really good secondary that's able to force turnovers. Uh, even strip, I think Elijah Holder, their cornerback, leads the Pac-12 in in uh, forced fumbles. But it's a Stanford defense that is sort of a Oregon fans are familiar with it. It's kind of a bend but don't break defense yeah. that will be able to force turnovers. Like they're going to be out there for a while because the Stanford offense is kind of inconsistent. They might see a lot of time out on the field, but they're kind of a bend but don't break defense, kind of what Oregon has been for the past couple years. So the Ducks, right off the bat, they need to set a tone against the Stanford defense and show that they can control that line of scrimmage. So one more question here before, because Sean's given us the Sean's given us the countdown here. Yeah. Um, but how bad is a loss here if Oregon loses? And does does a loss here mean that Oregon starts to spiral with especially with UW coming up and with UCLA coming up? No, because even Burmeister or Taylor Alley being you know, even if they're at quarterback, I actually think that Utah game could be winnable. Um, I think I've said it all along this year, but Oregon's going to be a significantly better home team than road team. And look, I'm still impressed with the way this team hung around for a while against Washington State and a really good Washington State team. And yeah, the scoreboard 33 to 10, you go oof. But yeah. you but you watch that game and Utah's offense is not nearly as potent. They could snag a win there. I mean, UCLA is as inconsistent as a team you can find, and just you just don't know what you're going to get. And Oregon's running game wasn't even that good against Washington State. Yeah, so, so, you know, they clean up some little things. They can, you know, they can still win some ball games. I don't think it's this complete spiral that happens. And the second Justin Herbert gets back, it's, you know, a magic spray that yeah, is sprayed think, on yeah. everything. So the that's, real, that's it. The Pepsi. Justin Herbert gets back. They're going to start spraying Pepsi. The spiral doesn't exist. The spiral doesn't exist because Herbert's gone. There you go. That's, that's how it is. Because Herbert's gone, you can't technically spiral out of control because it's already kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The spiral's already happened, all right? We're fine. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little loud. <laughs> a little um, but look, I, I think they're... Gus they're, loves spirals. They're really... Yeah, they're really into that. They have a really great opportunity to. I think they'll be in bowl territory by the time Arizona and Oregon State come to town, which is the final two weeks of the season. And you hope, if you're an Oregon fan, Oregon team, that Herbert will be back by then. And I think, you know, I don't think it would be that unpopular of an opinion to think if Herbert was healthy and playing in that Washington State game, they could have had a chance to win that game. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think any game that he comes back is winnable um even that washington game i wouldn't i would put uh i wouldn't put any uh money on them to to, to beat washington even with herbert but but let's let's kind of let's have our predictions for the uh stanford game i think we've kind of done a pretty good job going in depth but let, let, let's put some let's put some money on it let's let's really see what what we believe. I don't gamble. All right, Stanford. And how we feel. Stanford Ford. Sean is better than us. Uh, he uh, like he is holier. Stanford. Oh, no. Stanford. I, just, I just don't have the money to do it. <laughs> Same. Stanford, uh, four and two, three and one of the year. Uh, Oregon, four and two, one and three in the Pac-12. Um, the line right now is Stanford by ten and a half. Uh, Over-under is 58 and a half. So your what? prediction, Gus? My prediction. Um, I think the... Uh, I. I mm, yeah, I'm sorry, Oregon. I uh, I don't think you guys go down to uh, Stanford and take this one. I'm gonna say uh, Stanford 35, Oregon 23. Interesting. I'm 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 in a similar situation as you. 
Stanford 28, Oregon 21. A little closer. All right. Uh, mine is mine is very close, closer to Sean's. Um, I'm going to say I think Stanford wins it straight up, uh, and I think they cover, but only barely. So I'm, I'm thinking 28 to 17. Wow! So All right. eleven. Ooh. I think it's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be a close game for a while, actually. But I but I just think eventually you're gonna Braxton Burmeister's gonna have to make some plays with his arm. Yeah. And I didn't see anything in that Washington State game for me to feel comfortable feeling like he can do it. And I kind of feel like Bryce Love is just gonna have a monster he's, game too. He's he's gonna break off one, and yeah. then once that happens, it's like. Yeah. It's extremely demoralizing for a defense after you just stop him like four times in a row, and yeah. then he goes for sixty yards, and yeah. he's faster than you, so you're not gonna be able to catch him. Yeah, Oregon's so. Oregon's rushing defense will get its first real test this well, year. We will see. That is honestly what I am looking forward to the most. Is like we, I, I truly believe this is a much improved Oregon defense, but this is a running rushing attack that they haven't seen all year and they might not see it again all year yeah um so for them if it goes poorly that might be kind of that might might be a good thing because a lot of teams like to pass in the pac 12 but we will see on saturday gus and i we will we, we will be there um live we'll uh keep you updated on what's going down and then we'll come back next week we'll talk about what happened and then we'll preview the upcoming trip to ucla that the ducks will take two back-to-back road games for the ducks but for more Emerald-related podcasts, you can go to uh, our website, dailyemerald.com. There's a nice little bar on the side of the website that you can easily click on the podcast and listen there. But you can also just find it wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, uh, wherever. That's where I get my Stitcher, po- yeah. wherever you get it. I get my podcast from iTunes. So wherever you get yours, we're there. Um, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.